What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richer Geek Podcast. Today, we're excited to have Alistair Still. He's the Chief Executive Officer of the mining company, which is... Uh, called Gold Mining Inc. He's a mining industry professional with over 25 years experience, including working for major gold miners such as Newmont, Gold Corp, Placer Dome, and Kinross Gold. He's worked within Canada and internationally in a variety of leadership roles, including corporate project development, mine operations, and he spent over 10 years in corporate development, having served as director Corporate Development with Newmont Corp, and recently as Executive Vice President, Chief Development Officer for Gold Mining. How are you doing, Alistair? I'm doing great. Thanks very much for the introduction. Happy to be here today. Yeah, that's that's a, a, a lot of big titles, a lot of great corporations. Um, so a little bit of background. Um, why mining? You know, it seems like that's you've been doing it for a long time. I have been doing it for a long time, and it's uh, it's one of those uh, professions that uh, really started as a passion when I was a when I was a young uh, a young lad. Actually, I wanted to get into geology. We had a friend that my brother and I chummed around with. His father was a geologist and was frequently off traveling the world. He'd come back with neat rocks to show and great tales to tell. And I thought, hey, that sounds like a pretty cool thing to do. So. Went to school to train to be a geologist and uh, started working for a, a mining company. I started at the operational level and worked my way into the corporate level and corporate development, doing M&A and even a few years down in South America on the project development as project director. So a good broad uh, uh, experience that's developed from really what was originally a, a love of rocks and then trying to travel and be outdoors and all the fun things that geologists can do. You know, it's it's funny that you say the love of rocks because it's as I've traveled and, you know, I have a, a house in uh, northern Arizona where there's just a lot of different rocks and you always see these people on the side of the roads, you know, or up in the hills and they're just all looking for rocks. And I'm like, well, what are you guys doing? And, and they call themselves rock hounders here in America. And I'm like, OK, what are you you're hounding rocks? What is that? Well, you know, each region, east, e each place has all these wonderful different types of of rocks. So I can see that just going through my property, you see all, all these different colors and all these different purples and, and reds and, and some very interesting rocks. So I can see how fun it would be because I'm like, oh, wow, what is that? And I take it back to someone that's like, uh, that's called you know, skirt or shirt or something like that. It's nothing, you know, <laughs> it's I'm like, well, it looked nice, you know, but it's, it was nothing. Um, 
but there are some other really nice things, a lot of geodes up there and things like that. Um, so I can see how it's cool just to kind of look down and see all these different pretty rocks and, and wonder what they are. Well, it's not just the uh, the rocks or the minerals themselves. Often it's, uh, you know, the fun of the hunt as well. It's like uh, a lot of hobbies where people are, you know, you know, amateur collectors. They want to find something better for their collection, a f- you know, better specimen or one from every location where these type of rocks are known from. And uh, and it, it can lead on some pretty fun adventures. Uh, yeah. Generally, those people uh, looking at the rock cuts at the side of the road, they're not doing it to, for money, but uh, you extrapolate that to a broader scale. It's kind of what we do as a company, looking for uh, assets that can uh, create value and wealth. Now, with your company, do they, it's called Gold Mining Inc. So are, what stage of the process do they do? Are they the ones that extract? It's a great question. Uh, at this stage, we're not an operator. Um, what we do have, though, is a very extensive portfolio of assets, which are at the resource stage. We have some 16 million ounces in uh, category of a formal classification called measured and indicated resources. And we have a further 16 million, uh, these are gold equivalent ounces in an inferred category. So combined that's that's, more than 30 million gold equivalent ounces uh, as resources uh, that we publicly report as our company. Those are on 11 different projects and they're all throughout the Americas. So we we like to stay in a nice uh, north south jurisdiction in areas where we can certainly help uh, and minimize our geopolitical risk. So we're stable. Uh, we're in the Canada. We've got projects in the US and we have Colombia and Brazil and one project in, in, in Peru as well. So all well-known mining uh, jurisdictions. These are uh, resource stage projects, which really we've accumulated over a number of years. And now we're starting to daylight the value to do additional studies, further work to advance them to the next stages of uh, more detailed study, eventually to development, eventually to production. We've had some mining companies on on the podcast before, so I'm just trying to get kind of a a linear explanation of the different processes. When people think of copper mining, gold mining, uranium mining, they're thinking about these big holes in the ground and they're just grabbing it. Um, So you have, like in Canada, where you're at, you have these specific mining jurisdictions. Right. And then some people go, there's companies out there that all they do is drill holes, mm-hmm. bring it up and see if there's, <laughs> there's stuff. <laughs> well, well, exactly. And, and it's really a couple of, of key phases or stages that the life of a mining project will go through. And mm-hmm. the first stage really is exploration. And there's different stages of exploration. That's really where you're on the hunt for finding something which you hope to uh, define to make economic. And you have the early stage explorers, those with uh, you know higher risk, but they maybe argue have a greater return because they're starting earlier. They're looking for things that are less well-known and, and in areas that may be new for exploration. And we call that you know greenfields exploration. Hmm. And then you can have brownfields exploration, which may be closer to past producing mines where you have a better indication of minerals haven't been there before and that's more advanced exploration and, and that advanced exploration can take place you know in, in new projects or uh, alongside past um, producing projects then after exploration really you're into a phase of development 
um, where you're uh, doing a series of studies. You generally start with a preliminary economic assessment, advancing to pre-feasibility, then feasibility, you go for permitting and consultation, and then through development, and eventually sort of the end product, really after you know, generally uh, many years of uh, hard work and through each successive stage, you're into the production phase. And really there's still, after all these years in mining, there's still two primary types of mining. You have underground mining and you have open pit or, or surface mining. Mm -hmm. uh, and it can be for specific metals, uh, individual metals or deposits that can host uh, multiple metals. Our, our particular company has focused on gold. Uh, over 80% of the commodity exposure we have is through those 32 million gold equivalent ounces. But, uh, but close to 20% of that exposure does come through copper. And we have copper, which occurs as a byproduct in the resources at a couple of our projects. And that's a significant byproduct these days because uh, the copper price, as you and your listeners will, will know, has been steadily rising. There's a high demand for it. And yep. as there's been a push for a greener economy, it's not just batteries that are in demand and the cars that go with them, but it's the infrastructure, you know, the power grid, the power lines that are going to be needed to charge these vehicles. Um, so there's been a big demand for copper, which has really kept the price high, which helps us as, a, as an additional source of revenue when we evaluate the gold resources that we have. Now, do you see your company maybe making a shift? You know, I, I know gold is the standard, but do you see as the world's leaders and, and uh, the politicians are pushing for that copper, uh, do you see you guys maybe making a shift or, or maybe sometime in the future, or are you, or are you going to kind of stick with gold? You know, I, I've always wanted to ask that question. If you're kind of seeing, well, everybody wants copper right now. Well, I mean, I think I like to stick with what we do know best and what we do know yeah. best is gold. And there are companies who will chase what I would call, you know, the flavor of the month. And, yeah. you know, this, this year lithium's hot or next mm -hmm. year it could be some other metal that comes into a new battery. And, and that's fine. That can create value. But I think our, our expertise, expertise and our strength is what we know best. And that mm -hmm. is gold. And, and fortunate for us is that uh, several types of major uh, gold type systems, which host gold deposits also contain copper and we have a couple of large projects that do contain copper so i think it's an added benefit to us we you know as a, as a side note to that of the uh, of the resources we do have there's there's over you know two point more than 2.5 billion pounds of copper in that resource that makes our gold equivalent resource and there's also uh, some uh, significant component of, of silver but because silver prices are, are so much lower than gold, it has a less uh, less significant impact on the total value of the resource. But there's often silver occurring as a byproduct on our, our assets as well. I, I would point out one, one additional metal that we, we do have, which is kind of unknown for people um, who don't know our company well and would be certainly very unusual for a company like ours is that we do, do actually have a uranium project. And it's not a core project for us, but it is one that came from an earlier transaction. And it's a very large land package in the Athabasca Basin of Alberta and Canada, which is a very well-known uh, uranium producing region across Alberta and Saskatchewan. It's very well-known for producing uranium. In fact, the mines in that region have, uh, have up to 100 times the global, global average of uranium mines uh, across the world. So very important uh, source of uranium. And uranium has been very... Uh, very uh, uh, done very well in the market in the last couple of years, and the price has been positive. Uh, but but what we like to point out is that the, the current uranium prices are still only about 
one third of their all time high. So there's still room for uranium to grow. And that project that we have, which is 125,000 hectares, which is a huge land package, very prospective ground, that would make you know a nice standalone uranium company all by itself. So for me, it's kind of like a free option for our shareholders. So, you know, that may be something we turn into a new co or spin co. We see other companies exploring in that region with 50 or $100 million market caps with much smaller land packages, much less prospective ground. And here we have a, you know, a project sitting in our, in our portfolio waiting to be uh, advanced. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's, um, last night, I was actually watching a documentary on, it was on atomic energy. And they were talking about uh, uranium. And I didn't know that there's all these different grades of uranium. And they're like, well, you, you can only use this type and this purity levels if you want to create, you know, atomic energy. But then there's all these different other different grades that you can use for different things. And it was just something that was fascinating to me that I thought uranium's uranium, <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, and, it, and it's an interesting metal because, uh, you know, there's uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk, and and you certainly your your listeners will know about some of the geopolitical instability we see yeah. in the world these days, and uh, you know, having assets like that, whether they be in gold or copper or even uranium, having them in jurisdictions like Canada and the U.S. and throughout the Americas, you know, that's a real strength to have these days. Mm-hmm. It takes away some of that uncertainty that companies who may be operating in uh, you know further places in the world, which maybe in the news for the wrong reasons these days, um, you know, are having a bit more, uh, you know, a little more stress because of that lately. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's great to have that stability and knowing where uh, our projects are. Now talking about stability with uh, your mining industry and uh, again, it's uh, gold mining Inc. When we talk about the different political uh, movements and uh, inflation, how does, you know, I, I always know like when the, when the dollar's down, gold goes up. Um, and are, are you seeing this now? Um, it, it's a two-part question is, as you're seeing, is it true as inflation goes up, as the dollars de- decrease, do your mining assets are the more profitable? And then a second one is something that happened like during COVID-19 era, as far as profits, budgets, um, how did that specifically gold, how did that fare? So, you know, you have the other thing, which is more political and the other thing is as a health crisis, how does that affect the mining industry? Well, I think in general, particularly if you look at sort of the global economy and how inflation is very much real and like myself or yourself or any of your listeners go to the grocery store or go to the gasoline pumps. I mean, inflation is real. It's uh, it's significant right now. And we're, we're feeling the pinch on that. And there's, you know, pretty solid evidence to show that, you know, when inflation is high and we have times of uncertainty in the economy, uh, people want to, you know, a safety or a surety, something that's performed well in those troubling times. And historically, um, Precious metals and gold in particular has done very well. So I think fundamentally, if we take those lessons from the past, you know, gold has been a, a source of hedge against inflation and a store of value for millennia. It has stood the test of time. Uh, you can't create it. You can't destroy it. There's only an infinite or a finite amount, excuse me, that's been ever been placed on this planet, and it's getting harder and harder to find. 
So that does uh, you know, create value when you find it, and it's a great store of value. So I think in these uncertain times that we're seeing with inflation and interest rates, I think people are turning back to gold. And I think the fundamentals are sound, that uh, that's uh, going to keep the price of metal at current levels or even driving higher. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're seeing prices that we haven't seen in quite some time, which is very positive, but I think there's lots of room to grow there. Um, and we've seen prices today, uh, gold price is over 1,900 US dollars per ounce. Most of our e- economics are running uh, $1,600 per ounce. So there's already you know uh, extra margin and profit built in there. And because we have such a, a, a large resource base, we have an incredible leverage to the price of gold. So that's, that's, that's solid. A company like ours, the big resource, that's, uh, that's a great uh, foundation to build upon. And I think a strength in these un- uncertain times. As for the, the second part of the question related to COVID, um, it's another situation where uh, the mining companies like the rest of the world have had to adapt and, uh, and you know, to, to, to be thriving in these times and to survive. You know, we have to assess every situation a little differently. But I would say in general, the mining industry, particularly those who operate in, you know, the first world countries by major operating companies have actually survived quite well. And I think one of the reasons they have been able to manage through uncertain times is that they have made tremendous steps in the last uh, you know, generation or so of improving health and safety measures and methods that keep the workers safe. Mm-hmm. They've been able to keep people working and not spread it amongst the workforces. So the last thing we want is someone coming to work and picking up COVID and taking it home to their families. Um, and particularly when some of these uh, mining camps are in remote areas and in sensitive areas where there's indigenous communities who don't have the same access to healthcare. So people have been very diligent and very thorough in their attention to um, managing through the crisis and actually have survived quite well. And I think that's a testimony to the operators. But I, I think what it also shows is that as those major mining companies have have worked through those times, uh, they're actually showing that their reserves have been declining. Um, so they haven't been replacing their reserves, even even without the COVID. So the COVID on top of that, when there have been shortages of workers, it's 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 magnifying the situation, showing there's a, sor- a shortage of resources. And that makes you know, companies like ours, which have a large inventory of projects, uh, that much more attractive to major mining companies who may be looking for new projects to put into their pipeline to advance quicker through the development into production. So, it's it's a it's a big uh, a big cycle we're part of. But I think the mining company has been showing that it's you know it's well established and set for you know it has some you know historical um, stereotypes people have about mining, but it's really quite a modern and efficient uh, business these days. Yeah, you know, well, the stereotype you know, leads into one of the other questions is what kind of pushback, if any, do you get um, locally or regionally from those that are against mining? You know, are, are you seeing that? How are you handling it? There's, there's, it's kind of funny. It's, there's a certain group of people that love green, but Oh my God! How do you mind that? Well, you can't have you can't have your cake and your ice. You know you can't have you, you need both. You can't have one or the other. Um, and I think that's just one of the big things. Is like, look, if if you want a more green economy, green world, you still have to have these minerals and these assets, and you can't have one without the other. Are you seeing any? pushback from from 
type of people, or I, I think in, in you're probably creating so many jobs locally that people and in these mining jurisdictions that people love it, but you, you get any pushback? Well, I, I think it's, it's certainly one of the key issues for any uh, either an exploration company development or operating company is really the, the social issues that surround projects. And I think, you know, what we've clearly learned is that the sort of the past approach that, oh, we're creating jobs, so it must be good for the local people. That really just doesn't cut it. I mean, there's so many more uh, angles to to investigate and you know, protecting the environment and, and the local culture and the indigenous uh, people who are who are, have been living there for, for millennia. So I think it's a much more complicated process these days. There's a lot more diligence um, put into the efforts to engage with stakeholders. Um, and you have to realize that, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to get everybody on board, but you have to get enough people that you can have support. And it's really the local support that will make a project succeed or fail. You know, the mining company can be the catalyst and introduce the project and introduce it well, but it has to be accepted by the communities or, or they simply won't uh, won't move forward. And what we have seen is that we, we run into, and not specifically our group, but in, in general, mining will run into groups where people are, are anti-mining. And and I think that's a, that's a tough position to take because, you know, as you, as you point out, there's so many facets that we that we require on for our daily lives, you know, from our cell phones to our, our cars or the bus or our television, our homes. You know, it all comes from a product of mining and, and even the future of, of green energy, whether it be batteries or wind turbines, it's all coming from products that are mined. And my, my view has always been I would rather see mining done at a responsible level with companies who are engaged and doing it responsibly and with the strictest adherence to engaging with the local stakeholders, then, you know, trying just to say no and pushing it to some place where you may not know where it's occurring anymore and who knows what's happening and what damage is being done. So I think it has to be a, the right balance and certainly the right engagement with the local stakeholders to, to find a balance that works for, for all parties. Yeah, very well said. And, you know, for anyone that wants more news on, uh, specifically gold mining inc but also the uh the industry uh, gold mining inc has a website which is uh, gldgnews.com and uh if i get this right they can you can subscribe for free get alerts you know what kind of alerts what kind of news what's got some of the information that our listeners can get when they sign up for that yeah, we, we update uh, regularly with our project status, uh, various, you know, if we engage in exploration programs and uh, in general news flow. Um, we have also a general website, uh, www.goldmining.com, easy to reference. We're listed uh, on the US uh, NYSE, the ticker mm -hmm. symbol GLDG. We're also on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Very easy ticker symbol here, G-O-L-D, gold. <laughs> so that's an easy one to remember. But, uh, you know, our news alerts are very important. And, uh, yeah. you know, even this week we had important news out. At the beginning of the week, we launched a new subsidiary called U.S. Gold Mining Inc. And the, the prime focus of that vehicle will be to advance our Whistler project, which is in Alaska. It's over, it's almost nine, uh, 9.5 million gold equivalent ounces, which is copper and gold in uh, about 100 miles from Anchorage in Alaska. Uh, gold and copper, exciting resource-based project that has not seen any expiration in oh, almost seven years now. Uh, we've uh, you know, developed some new ideas. We have a new team. We have a camp that we can be uh, resurrecting there. And we're pretty excited about going back and uh, 
you know, starting uh, some work to, to, to define that value on a project, which has largely been dormant and been uh, underappreciated for a number of near years and can be, can be surfaced with, a, with some work we have planned. Yeah, that's very cool. And, uh, you know, Gold Mining Inc. is one of the few gold junior companies that actually trade on the New York Stock Exchange, which is uh, very nice. Yeah. We also have the added advantage. We're one of the few juniors, but we have an incredibly strong balance sheet. We, we, we spun yeah. out a project last year or a new company called Gold Royalty Corp. Yeah. We have now 20 million shares in that company, and uh, that contributes to a, a balance sheet, which has over $100 million on it cash and securities. It's over $100 million wow. for a company that's trading at uh, less than $300 million uh, market cap. So strong balance sheet. And actually, those shares in gold royalty were even uh, generating uh, dividend income this year. It'll be almost a million dollars in dividend income. Receiving oh, wow. Those. So that'll help us with our own uh, uh, project work and uh, starting to explore these properties ourselves. So strong balance sheet with dividend income with a tremendous resource base of 32 million gold equivalent ounces. It's really quite a quite a you know a story that sets us apart from most of our peers yeah because i mean i if i get this right then that means like if you if you have that many shares of the royalty company and that's you said almost like almost half your current market cap mm -hmm. um then that actually brings down the gold resource as the per ounce is lowered Exactly. If you look at the enterprise value, which is yeah. basically our, our market cash, our market cap less cash and securities. Uh, so an enterprise value per resource ounce is yeah. not far off $5 per ounce, which is, wow. it's, it's unheard of. Most of our peers would trade at 20, 30, 40, $50 per ounce. Um, so, you know, it doesn't take much to see a little leverage there mm -hmm. in, uh, as we advance our stories and the gold price, and moving from five dollars to 20 30 40 50 uh, ev per ounce there's a tremendous upside for our shareholders there and ladies and gentlemen one of these shareholders is blackrock i know all of you have heard of them so if they believe in this company then i think you should too um now here's a question when i think historically when gold rallies the stock performs much better than the spot price and that's what us as investors, that means amazing leverage. Exactly. Yes. Um, what do you attribute? Why is that? Do you think? Well, I, I think it's, it just goes back to the fundamentals of having a very large resource base, mm -hmm. small change in the price of gold can be magnified and amplified at the margins that will create on the projects and, and the development of those assets. And uh, we've seen that in the past when gold has rallied, gold mining has done extremely well. We're seeing that again now, uh, this year, year to date, uh, we're up over 50% of the time we recorded this and year to date. So we've been performing very well year to date. Uh, that's in combination to a little bit in the rally in the metals, but also as we're advancing our projects, we had a new preliminary economic assessment out on one of our projects in Colombia earlier this year. That showed very, showed very strong positive economics. You know, the recent announcement of creating uh, uh, gold mining, or U.S. gold mining, excuse me. Uh, that's strong advancement of another one of our core projects. And we're currently advancing a PEA study on our San George project in Brazil as well. So some very positive news uh, combined with uh, a strong gold price has really started to add torque to our, our price. And as you say, it's great leverage to our investors who have benefited very well this year. Do you think that's the most exciting catalyst for Gold Mining Inc.? You know, in your opinion, is it 
Well, I would I would say that, you know as catalyst the metal price is nice, but yeah. it's unfortunately something I can't control. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I can control is what we do with our assets and how we advance them. So that's what I get excited about. The, the gold price moving is a, is a bonus. It's kind of like the starter fuel to this, you know, you know, high performance engine we have just you know starting to take shape here. And as we you know spark up each cylinder in this engine and add a little you know extra with the octane with the price of gold, it's really starting to take off here. And it's you know it's an exciting story. And when I came to the project and or to the company uh, just over a year ago now, the company had really focused in its first 10 years of existence as being an acquirer. Uh, Amir Adnani, our chairman and founder, incredible entrepreneur, had set the company up. He'd made some tremendous acquisitions, effectively for 10 cents in the dollar. He'd been buying assets in downturns in the market when the price of gold was $1,000 per ounce. Things could be bought at more affordable rates. Now you move forward um, and bring in me uh, and my team I've built around me now, which has an operation and exploring and development background. We can take those assets, start to surface the value, combine that with a high gold price, and it really makes for a very compelling story. Yeah. Well, Alistair, I appreciate you coming on. And uh, everybody, again, it is Gold Mining Inc. Alistair Still, the CEO. It was a pleasure talking to you today. And I hope you have a great evening. Pleasure being on here. I look forward to speaking again in the future. Thanks for tuning in to the Richer Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichergeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening and leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you and thanks for listening.